Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. And today is one of those standalones, and I want to call it Too Weak to Lose. Everybody say, Too Weak to Lose. Too Weak to Lose. You have heard it said that only the strong survive. Someone else once said that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Reese Bobby instructed his son Ricky, he said, if you ain't first, you're last. That's right. And I can't be the only one in the room that sometimes doesn't feel strong enough to survive. Sometimes I don't feel tough enough to get going. And to be honest, I am nowhere near the finish line, much less in first place. And I can't be by myself today. And that's why I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to pray that prayer earlier. Because I know in this room right now, we've got a room full of broken hearts. I know in this room right now, there's people that there are, are forgotten dreams. I know in this room right now that there are people that you are struggling and, uh, and you're weak and you don't feel strong. And, and, and I want you to know that God hears your heart right now. God hears your prayer and, and God is answering you through this message today. And God wants you to know that he's got you. Amen. He's got you. We live in a world that preaches that the strong rule over the weak. Through the natural eyes, it appears as though the tough and the powerful control the rest of us. But let's be honest, most of us, we don't want to control the world. We just want to control our world. If we could just have a say-so over how things are going in our own lives, we would be satisfied with that. If we could just have a say-so over our, our job, over our occupation. Maybe if we just had a say-so over our home. We want to know that we have the ability and the strength to go in the direction that we feel is best for our lives. But unfortunately, our weaknesses often keep us from winning at this thing called life. Because we all have weaknesses. There's not one person in this room that does not have a weakness. We all have a weakness. And, and our weaknesses seem to be highlighted at times, especially when the going gets tough. And, and, and it keeps us from reaching the potential that God has for us. And we are constantly being reminded of our mistakes. We're being reminded of our failures. We're being reminded of our mishaps, the sins that we have committed, the sins, sins that have been committed against us. And the enemy uses our inadequacies to control our to see ourselves as victorious. The enemy will haunt your mind with the thoughts of your weaknesses. And he will leave you paralyzed. He will leave you in a spiritual fetal position in the corner, struggling to catch your next breath. But what if I told you that your greatest weakness could become your greatest strength if you allow God to use it? What if God could take your weakness and he could turn it around for your good? It is rumored that someone once told Beethoven that he would never have continued success as a musician and as a composer because he was going deaf. He didn't listen. His weakness became his greatest strength. Amen? And in the kingdom of God... Your weakness actually has the ability to set you up for the advantage over your enemy. 
We don't see it that way. And so someone has to dig into the word and someone has to present this to you at your darkest moment for you to realize that, that your weakness actually sets you up as a, a, for an advantage over the enemy of your life. Because in, in, in a worldly sense and, and, and through the natural eyes, we tend to celebrate excellence, position, power, and, and status but God does some of his best work in our weakness, and we don't even realize it. As you will see today, God is not worried about your weaknesses. Your weaknesses do not scare God. God has never lost one moment of sleep because of your weaknesses. He doesn't stay up at night worrying about them. God knows, and dare I say, God uses your weaknesses to display his glory in your life. But you have to be willing to let God take those weaknesses. And you have to be willing to let God move in your moment of weakness. I'm going to be reading out of 2 Corinthians today. 2 Corinthians, and, and I'm going to read one verse out of chapter 11. And then I'm going to read a number of verses out of chapter 12. But here in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, Paul finds himself fighting to regain the confidence of the Corinthian church. You see, there were a group of men that were trying to discredit Paul, and they were trying to discredit his teachings. Yes, even the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, the Apostle Paul had critics. And Paul's weaknesses were being put on display, and the people that he loved, and the people that he served in the church in Corinth, they, um, they were turning against him. These so-called super-apostles were charismatic and they were entertaining with their presentations. And, and the people of the church in Corinth, they were falling in love with them. The, the Corinthians were starstruck by these super apostles. They were sharing and tweeting every word that they preached. They were rock star preachers of their day. And they were so good at public speaking that they charged the going rate for a polished orator. They were preaching a feel-good gospel that lacked spiritual truth and substance. They were preaching what the people wanted to hear. Paul preached a theologically sound message of both supernatural miracles and practical living. Paul was a realist with faith. I like to think of myself as that sometimes, that I'm a realist with faith. I, I know that we, we, at times, we have to operate within the confines of the world that we live in, and there's sometimes that we are subject to the circumstances but I also know that I serve a God that is able to change those circumstances at any moment when he wants to. Paul understood that. And so Paul would, would, would preach a, a supernatural uh, God that was able to change the circumstances, but also that we have to be very practical in our living at times. But compared to these men, Paul's teachings were inferior. Paul's speaking ability was inferior. Paul was even ridiculed for not being a good enough speaker to charge what they were charging. These men were walking into the church with a set amount. Here's what it will cost you to hear me speak. And they wanted to hear them speak and they were willing to pay it. To which Paul explained that he allowed other flourishing churches to cover his expenses in order for him to bless the church in Corinth and not overtax them with more offerings. But Paul finds himself in a very difficult position here. Paul is fighting against a character assassin, assassination and in a moment of self-admitted foolishness, 
He feels the need to boast about what he has been through. Now, before you start pointing fingers at Paul that maybe he is a little too prideful, what you have to realize is what Paul is boasting about. Because Paul was not speaking about how great he is and and what he had accomplished for the kingdom of God. No, when Paul writes this letter, he speaks of all the mishaps. He talks about what he's been through, and, and he, he shares with them about his imprisonments. You know, you don't really, if you're trying to win the hearts of someone, you don't want to tell them how many times you've been to jail. Only once for me, but that's a different day and a different story. And I was 15 years old, but don't, it's none of your business right now, unless I want to use it, but I'm not using it today, so back off, right? <laughs> He speaks about his imprisonments. He speaks about his shipwrecks. He, he tells them about the times that he was beaten. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 30, Paul says these words. He says, and if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. I will boast about the things that show how weak that I am. And then Paul does the unthinkable no public speaker should ever do what he is about to do. He, he errs on the side of transparency. What is Paul thinking? If you want to win the hearts of these people back, if they have put their faith in, in these, these false apostles, if you want to win them back, Paul, don't be so transparent, but that's exactly what he does. And this is one of the, the qualities that I love about Paul. If there is an attribute of Paul's ministry that, that I try and pattern my life after, and I'm not saying I always get it right, but if there's one thing that I love about him, it, it, it's this, is that Paul was very transparent with his struggles. And I feel as though people connect with real, that, that they don't, don't need another fake, always on top orator that, that promises prosperity and guarantees happiness. Let me tell you, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I understand that. But there are just moments, and even in a Christian's life, that it just stinks. There's just moments when, when all the pieces are not coming together. And there's moments when, when you just wonder if I'm ever going to get out of this hole that I'm in. And it's okay sometimes just to be there. You can't stay there, but it's okay to be there. And Paul digs deep and he becomes vulnerable in this next chapter with the people of the church in Corinth. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I just want you to say that, that last verse with me, or those last few lines with me there. Just say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Will you declare it again? For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love how Paul views his circumstance of this thorn in his flesh. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited. I think this is a personal struggle of Paul's that we're looking into. 
that maybe there was a little pride issue there at times. And I can understand that. I know from leading this great church and the responsibility that has been put on me to be the pastor of this church, that it would be easy sometimes to become conceited. To think that, man, look what I have done, but understand and realize in, in the reality, it's not anything I've done at all. If God can speak through Balaam's donkey, why couldn't he speak through me, right? I don't need my father-in-law amening right now, okay? <laughs> Paul was dealing with conceit, and he said, to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given this thorn in my flesh. Oh, we, we could apply many things there. Can you imagine if God gave us everything we wanted at the moment that, that we asked for it? We would be nothing more than spoiled, rotten brats. So to keep me from becoming a spoiled, rotten brat, God gave me a thorn in my flesh. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you struggle with the, of overcoming in your personality, maybe this is just part of God's plan for your life to keep you from becoming what you don't want to become. And we're not certain of what Paul's struggle was. I, I believe that it was intentionally left ambiguous because uh, we need to be able to relate to Paul. So maybe Paul didn't want to write his struggle or maybe his struggle was just way too personal that he did not feel that it was important enough to put pen to paper and to send it to the church in Corinth so that it's all out there for everyone to read. But, but, but Paul definitely had a struggle. And he, he didn't spell it out for us, and, and I believe it's intentional because remember in his first letter to the church in Corinth, Paul said, to the weak I become weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And so Paul understands that, that in a room like this today, there's a lot of struggles in this room. There's a lot of things that we're having to go through. There's a lot of weaknesses in this room. My Lord, I, I am chief of all sinners. I have many weaknesses myself. And Paul understood that. And so in this vulnerable moment, moment he boasts about his weaknesses and, and not his strength. Paul's thorn in his flesh, it could have been a sickness or an infirmity. We don't know. It could have been a temptation in his life, something that just kept raising up and he's just struggling with this temptation. It could have been a circumstance that won't go away. It could have been a financial issue. It could have been a person that just rubbed him the wrong way and they were a thorn in his flesh. If you're one of those people that rubbed me the wrong way, I have referred to you as a thorn in my flesh. Whatever it was. It calls Paul to pray three different times for God to remove this thorn from his flesh. Remove this from my life, God. Take this from me. I cannot deal with this. This is a struggle for me. God, will you take it away? But God chose not to take it away. And Paul tells us that. He said, I prayed three times. God, take this. And, and he didn't. Have you ever prayed that God would change your circumstance or remove your problem? I know you have. Some of you are praying that right now. And night after night, you, cr you cry out to God to deliver you only for God to seemingly ignore your requests. You go to sleep at night praying for a new tomorrow only to awaken and realize that you are still in the middle of your nightmare. And our weakness poses a problem for us. But what you have to understand is that your weakness is not a problem for God. It just might be possible that God wants to use that weakness so that you're forced to display His glory in your life. 
How many times have we witnessed God use the wheat to display his glory? 1 Corinthians 1 and 27, Paul writes, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I love these moments when I get this revelation that no matter what I'm going through, no matter the hardship in life, no matter what weakness I am facing, that God uses weak people like me and he will shame the strong. I think about Moses. Moses, under his own ability and his own power, killed an Egyptian man and buried him in the sand. And then in shame and regret, he runs to the wilderness. And it's there in that wilderness, in that weak moment of life, he is not near where God wants him to be with his life and the the leadership that he has anointed him for. But it's there, tending his father-in-law's sheep, That God visits him through a burning bush and says, I want you to be the one, to be the leader, to lead my people out of bondage. And he said, are you sure, God? I I don't think I can do this. I, I have a speech impediment. And God said, that's perfect. I don't need eloquence of speech. I need a willing heart that will stutter their way through this trial. That's what I need. I don't need you and your mouth. I just need your heart. Gideon admitted to God that he was the weakest member of the weakest tribe of Israel. And God said, perfect. I do my my best work with the weakest people. And to stack the the odds against him even more, God gave him only 300 men to fight an army of 135,000 Midianites. 300 versus 135,000. That means he is outnumbered 450 to 1. For every 450 men they have, he has one man. That's it. But God was going to fight that battle for them. He chose a shepherd boy named David with a slingshot long before he became a warrior with a sword. He found him in his weakness and turned him into a warrior. He took a deceitful, prideful heart like Jacob and changed his name to Israel. And he becomes the father of the nation of Israel. I'm convinced that God would rather you walk with a limp than with a strut. And under my own power, my own ability, I start to strut. And it's one of the ugliest things you've ever seen in your life. But I find that God uses me more when I'm weak, when I'm broken. And I'm walking with a limp. God does not need your strength. What God needs from you is your dependence. That no matter how weak you feel in this moment, you understand that God's got you. Imagine with me, if you will, that at the end of the second service today, that I was here alone in this room, and and for some reason you left all of your children, please don't do it, but you left all of your children here today, and it was my responsibility to, to stack the chairs and get everything put away in this room. Imagine with me if I went to the nursery and I grabbed four of the, the, of, of the biggest two-year-olds in the nursery, and I said, I, I need you to come with me, and we're, we're going to stack chairs and we're going to put them away. Do you know how long it would take me to get this room put back together? 
Do you know under, uh, under their ability and their power, do you know how long it would take me? It, 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 and it would. It would all fall back on me. And it would be crazy, but that's what we try and, and live. We try and live in the natural abilities of our humanity. When God says, you are not strong enough for that, I created you to be dependent upon me, and you're not strong enough in your human efforts and your human abilities. We are designed to depend on Jesus. And we go through way too many struggles and way too many trials and and we're no longer depending on Jesus. We're trying to figure this thing out. The best thing you can do today with your trial, with your weakness, with your struggle that you're going through right now is just to hand it over to God right here in this service. Just hand it over to God and let God begin fighting this battle for you. If you can just get it through your mind that you're not created to handle that, cast your cares on me, he says, because I care for you. He is the only one that is strong enough to carry the burdens of this room and the burdens of this world. But he says, turn that over to me and watch what I can do for you. Notice that Paul did not say that your weakness is without power. He didn't say that. I want to read verse 9 to you again. Paul says, but he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul. He said, take, take, take this from me, Lord. I, I can't deal with this weakness in my life. Take it from me. And God responds in verse 9 and says, but my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Have you ever thought about that? God's power, his might is made perfect in our weakness? Understand this. It doesn't take you to make God powerful. But His might, His power is made perfect when we reach that place to where we say, I can't do this in my life. I can't handle this. It's not that that we have the ability to make His power perfect. It's that His power is made perfect in our lives through our weakness. When we say, I can't, you see, we've got to get to this place to where we understand that Jesus is not our last resort, he's our best resort. When we understand that, and at that moment that you realize, I can't, you know, the world, the world just has this whole thing just all mixed up. Because the world keeps telling you to say, I can, I can, I can do this. And yes, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But you take the last part of that equation out, I I just can't. And sometimes we got to reach that place to where we just realize, I can't. Somebody say, I can't. I can't. And and that may be where you need to get to today. I, I can't speak, Lord. I can't fight. I can't win. I can't negotiate. I can't sell. I can't succeed. I can't. I can't. I can't. Can't never could until God got involved. And when God got involved, you couldn't stop it. The moment that you realize that your ability is weak, it's in that moment that his strength is made perfect in your life. 1 Corinthians 1 and 25 says the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Duh. (laughs) The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. It's almost like he's saying God on his best day is better than, that God on his worst day is better than me on my best day. But let me tell you something, God doesn't have bad days. His strength is perfect. Psalm 75 and 10, for God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. Isaiah 40 and 29, he gives power to the weak and strength 
to the powerless. How many of you walked in here today and you feel weak and powerless? That's me. And he says he will give you strength and he gives you power. That's the promise that we have. Your weakness is necessary so that God's strength can shine through you. But so many Christians, we, we've left this part out of our walk with Christ. We trust him with our souls. You've saved me from a devil's hell. But let me figure out the rest of my life. And that's not what God wants. He says, surrender it to me. And if you feel weak today, you are right where God wants you because God excels in human weakness when humanity learns to depend on him because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Learn to be too weak to lose. I'm reminded of a woman from Lake City that I knew when I was a teenager. Her name was, is Margie. Went to church with her. And in 1993, her son was electrocuted and unexpectedly killed. And he was only 30 years old when he died in a freak farming accident that still doesn't make sense to me today. I, I just, I don't understand how it happened. Don't have time to get into it. But immediately, the church went into care mode and and surrounded this family. But people started noticing something strange. And so away from the family, people started talking, not in a, not in a negative, gossiping way. It, just, it was just strange. Margie had a piece about her that no one could explain. This woman had just lost her son. Unexpected. And there is a peace over this woman that passes understanding. Some people thought she was in shock. She assured them that she wasn't. She explained to the church that she had allowed God to come alongside of her and to strengthen her during the most difficult time of her life. One of the things that she said gave her hope was that she had prayed for years for her son. And recently he had made a commitment, but he had made commitments before and, and could never hold on to his relationship with Christ. And I don't want to get into a theological debate with you on that. Let's just say that one day he was serving God, next day he wasn't, and one day he was, next day he wasn't. But she had a peace in knowing that her son in his death was in a season of trusting God. Some people thought it was strange, and I'm not saying that Margie never had a bad day, and, I, and I, I know that she missed her son terribly, and I know she cried buckets of tears. But during the most difficult season of her life, the most difficult season of any parent's life, she allowed the Lord to strengthen her. And I can tell you this, 26 years later, this woman still trusts God with her entire heart. His strength was made perfect in her weakness. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying that I, I, I can never have a bad day? No, I'm telling you, you're going to have bad days. Are you telling me that, that when tragedy hits, I'm not allowed to cry? No, you're allowed to cry. But the difference between us and the world, understand this. If you call yourself a Christian, if you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, 
The difference between us and the world is that we, we mourn, just like the world we mourn, but we mourn with hope. We go through tragedies. But just because life is sometimes tragic, we don't throw in the towel and say, I will not survive this. No. We pray for a peace that passes understanding that doesn't make sense to the world. And we just say, God, some way, somehow, you've got to pull me together. You've got to bring me through this. And I don't know how he does it. And I, I don't know how some people can go through the most tragic things in life other than they completely rely on him and not their own understanding. That during their weakest moments, they pray for God to come alongside of them and to give them the strength to make it through. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.